0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Chapter 6 and verse 13, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Let's look at uh, the first portion Verse 14, make thee an ark. Make thee an ark. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, verse number 7. Of course, the writer here is giving us a thumbnail sketch, some high points in the lives of various people that had went before, people of faith and their great exploits that they were able to accomplish through their faith in God. And he says in verse seven, by faith, Noah being warned of God of the things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, prepared an ark to For the saving or to the saving of his house. I just want to preach by the help of the Lord, building an ark. I know that's simple. I know that's uh, pretty basic here this morning as a title. But uh, hopefully the Lord will speak through this message today to somebody's heart and life. encourage you, strengthen you, and help you through his word. Build an ark. Praise God. Would you lift up your voice with me and let's pray together right now. Jesus, I'm asking you to touch people's souls, hearts. Here this morning, you're able to speak in a way that only you can speak to that particular area of a man's heart. Only you can reach and touch the spirit of a person. I'm praying, God, that you would help us. i praying, God, that you would speak to us. that your perfect will would be done in this service today. We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. It never ceases to amaze me how God can speak to us through something that perhaps we feel like that we're very familiar with. Uh, this story in Scripture, of course, is one that we learn, probably one of the first stories. If you're um, a Bible reader and person that studies the Word of God, this is one of the more basic stories that we come to understand, even in Sunday school classrooms and coming in to church and learning about God. Most of us understand this story of Noah and the ark. And it's amazing to me that God can use these old stories to speak something fresh and new and relative to where we are at that particular moment. And Recently, I was rereading this story in preparation for another study and teaching a Bible study, this old account, and there were some things that I noticed that perhaps I had overlooked in times past and that suddenly gripped a hold of me I've always assumed that God was going to have an ark whether or not Noah built it I just was always under the impression that the Lord I don't know if I felt that it was because he would have a witness against that evil generation uh, that someone somewhere would build an ark but the Bible says that when the Lord spoke to Noah, that He said, "Make thee an ark, make thee an ark." I believe, just as the Word of God portrays in this story, that as God began to scour the earth and he, he began to take inventory of all the wickedness and the evil and the violence. The Bible says, and you heard it as I read it this morning, that there was much violence upon the face of the earth. Men were becoming more and more vile and corrupt and their ways more evil. As he scoured over the earth, there was one man that stood out to him. There was one man that was just uh, uh, unlike any other person, any other individual that was on the face of the earth at that time, and Noah was the only one in the world who possessed any type of spiritual preceptivity of what was going on. He was the only one that was aware that there was a need to live righteously before God. Everybody else had cast it aside. Everybody else had pushed it out of their mind. Everybody else was consumed with the sin of the day. But it was Noah that was holding fast to what was right. And the Bible says that even though there were some things that were happening that should have gotten their attention, should have stood out to them, the Bible says that they nevertheless did not acquiesce at all in their evil doing. They did not in any way feel abated in their activities. There was no restraints with them. The Bible said in Luke 17, Jesus describing the spiritual conditions of that day said they did eat, they drank, they married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day Noah died entered into the ark, until the very time that Noah entered into the ark, the scripture says that they continued on in their evil doing, they continued on in their unrighteousness and in their sin, totally oblivious to what was going on. It's amazing to me how that they could become so hardened. It's amazing to me how that they could be so insensitive to what was going on. They could be totally out of it to this point. And I think it is a warning to you and I because the Bible said as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Or when it describes the end time that we're living in, it references the days of Noah and also the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it likens this generation to that generation of people. And so we also must be warned this morning and be extremely careful that we realize and that we are aware. Amen. To be uh, sensitive to the Spirit of God moving. And we not be so caught up in the things of this world that we're oblivious to God moving upon humanity and the revival that God wants to give to our generation. I know that a lot of times when we liken people to this, we, we think only of the world, but I'm going to tell you it's possible to be in a church every Sunday and still not be really sensitive to what God is doing. It's possible to be considered a saint of God and not really be sensitive to the moving of God's Spirit and the work that God is wanting to do in our lives. So it's very important that I shake myself during this time and say, God, what are you saying? I want to be receptive and I want to have an ear that can hear what the Spirit is saying. I want to be open to your will being done in my life. I don't want to be closed off or so caught up in other activities that I am insensitive to the voice of God as it would endeavor to speak to me. How many knows that God's wanting to speak to his people? That God is wanting to move upon the souls of men and women? That God is wanting to keep us, amen, aware and open to what he wants to do. And the only way that I can, I can be able to hear his voice when he speaks and be obedient to him. And the ways that I need to be obedient to him is to stay ever sensitive to him. Praise God. And so he was sensitive enough to hear the voice of the Lord. And Noah, Noah, though the spiritual conditions and surroundings were depraved and they were increasingly getting worse he could still hear the voice of God. He was a man that still had his ear attuned to what God was trying to say. Above all the the chaos and the other voices that were speaking, he could still hear loud and clear the voice of the Lord. I, I want to tell you that's very critical to be able to hear God when He speaks to you. Not to be numb to it or insensitive to it. And I, I just want to stop and say, it does not matter how long you've had the Holy Ghost. This is something you've constantly got to work on. This is something you've constantly got to keep uh, uh, the channels open, as it were. You you got to keep uh, you got to keep and maintain a relationship with God, where that He can speak to you, because it's very easy in the climate that we're living in to draw cold. It's very easy to grow, grow, grow dull to the voice of God and what God is trying to say and not be able to hear from God. But I, I want to be open to Him moving in my life. I, I want to be able to hear His voice. And God spoke to Noah and said, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. And the Bible says that Noah, without any reservation... Without any thought for something else or without any excuse, I don't find any argument here. I don't find any, uh, anything that Noah raises before God as perhaps an excuse or trying to get out of the command of God. But in fact, he immediately sets out to be obedient to the voice of the Lord that spoke to him to build an ark. And so I want to preach to you today that I see four, at least four consecrations that Noah makes in this story that stands out to me that helped him to build the ark. Before he could ever build an ark, before he could ever have salvation for himself and for his family, the only way that he would be saved from the impending judgment that was to come the only way that he could escape this ravaging flood that would destroy all of mankind and every living thing upon the face of the earth and earth itself. The scripture says that he had to make these four consecrations. Number one, Noah had to consecrate his time. Noah had to consecrate his time to God. Uh, Maybe you've always believed as perhaps I kind of had this inclination that ark building was really the only responsibility that Noah had after God gave him this command. It's very easy for us to assume that that's what he did every waking moment. Every day when he woke up until the time uh, that he retired for the evening that all his responsibility was and the only thing that he had to do was just to build an ark. He he just cut wood and drove nails. And built on the ark. Until the time that judgment came. But that is really not the way that it happened in this story. Because we know that Noah just like you and I. Had many other responsibilities. As you read this story you understand that he had a family. That he had to provide for. That he had to take care of. Uh, there was... Uh, monetary things that had to be dealt with. There was the upkeep of a home, no doubt. And uh, there was also food that had to be provided. And uh, so we understand that this man had some responsibilities that he had to take care of to provide for his family. And somebody says, well, why? how how did he do that? and, And how did this take place? Well, we know that immediately after Vacating the ark, that he built an altar and uh, he gave sacrifice, and then the scripture says that he planted a vineyard, and so we could we could surmise that before the flood, that this is what Noah was was a vine dresser, that he worked in a vineyard every day, and that he had to keep up with that vineyard. And if you know and have studied anything about vineyards, you know that this was a responsibility. And uh, there was some things that, that uh, had to be done. And uh, vines and vine dressing is, is something that is uh, very precocious at times and something that is sensitive to the elements and pestilence and, and other things that could come in and destroy the crop that he has prepared for. So he knows what it is to deal with all the stresses of that. He has the responsibility of this job, as it were, that he had to take care of and that he had to work in, and the responsibility of a family, and upkeep, uh, maintaining a house, a home, or whatever it was that was his dwelling. All of these things, they did not go away just because he was asked by the Lord to build an ark. Just because he was commanded of God to construct an ark did not mean that he didn't have food to provide for his table, did not mean that there was not responsibilities on a daily basis. It did not mean that every day when the alarm went off that he didn't have to go out and take care of the chores and maybe animals that he had. and. And uh, maybe there was a a time every day, I'm sure that there was, that he pruned on the vineyard and gathered in the fruit of the vineyard and what have you. So first thing that had to be done was uh, he had to dedicate some time to fulfill and make a priority out of the command of God upon his life. Noah, if you're going to be saved... Out of this busy schedule that you have, you're still going to have to carve out some time for me. And you're going to have to build an ark. I know you're a busy man. I know that you have the weight and the responsibility and the burden of providing for a family. I know that there's all the things as a leader of your home that you have to take care of and be concerned with and I know that Mrs. Noah wants you to fix on things around your home and and there's responsibilities that that you're gonna have to care for on a daily basis but every day you're gonna have to make it a priority you're gonna have to spend some time building an ark because it may not happen today and it may not happen next week and it may not happen next year But a day is coming, and it's coming sooner than you think. And if you're not prepared for it, you're going to be caught unawares. And you're going to have to provide for the saving, not only of yourself, but of your household. Amen. You're going to have to save your family, Noah. And the way that you'll do that is by keeping yourself in a safe place. I just want to spend a little time preaching that this morning. He said build thee an ark and by building you an ark you're also building your family an ark. I'm going to tell you, saying that, God, by building you a prayer life, by building you a relationship with God, by building yourself, amen, an ability to come and have a relationship with God in His Word through hearing the preaching of the Word of God, by being faithful to the house of God, you're not only saving yourself, you're not only building yourself an ark, but you're giving your family an opportunity to be saved. You're giving your children an opportunity to be saved. You're giving your household an opportunity to be saved. Sometimes we get so concerned with with all of that uh, and we think out. Out uh, uh, how it's going to be for 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 others that we've been praying for that we want God to say. But I I got a revelation in reading this story that the best thing that we can do for lost loved ones uh, is to build an ark uh, and to have a relationship with God ourselves. Uh, amen. The best thing you can do for that one that you've been praying for is to keep yourself prepared, to keep yourself sensitive, uh, to keep yourself right with God. To continue in your relationship with the Lord consistently. And by doing so you'll not only save yourself but you'll give them an opportunity to be saved. Oh praise the Lord. But he had to prioritize. He had to set a precedent for everybody in his home. That the most important thing around here is not the vineyard. The most important thing from now on in this house is not to make sure that everything here in the house is in working order and perfect, though that's important. Everything that we strive for and everything that we are as a family is pointed in one direction, and that is the ark has to be built. And so there's going to be a prioritizing of our energies and our efforts. And whatever has dominated our time before, if we have to cut out hobbies, if we have to cut down on overtime on the vineyard, whatever we have to do, we're going to make certain that the ark is built when judgment comes to this world. Nothing else is going to matter if we don't have an ark. It doesn't matter how great our vineyard is. It doesn't matter how well established our household is. It doesn't matter all the things that we possess in this world because it's all going to be gone when judgment comes. The only thing that's going to matter to us is the ark. And so we got to make some priorities, kids. We got to build on this thing. We we've got to construct this thing. We got to do this above everything else. I'm going to tell you there's a lot of things in life that are important, but there's nothing more important than your relationship with God and you building a relationship with God. There's nothing more important than you living for God and you serving the Lord. And I'm going to tell you if you're going to do it successfully, you're going to have to prioritize your life in such a way that chief above everything else is my relationship with God above everything else above more money above more possessions above anything else that I could gain in this life because Jesus said if a man gained the whole world and lose his soul what has he gained? what benefit is it to him? you're not going to take any of these things and possessions of this life with you the one thing that is going to matter in the end of time is that you built an ark Noah It's going to matter that you built a relationship with God. It's going to matter that you obeyed the word of the Lord. It's going to matter that you did things right. That you made it a priority. When the church doors were open, I was there worshiping God. I was there serving God. When it was time, amen, to come and pray around an altar, I didn't hold back anything. I was there in the presence of the Lord seeking the face. I know it's simple this morning, but it's true. And we got to get back to the basics. We got to get back to prioritizing things. This matters more than a promotion in any job or career. This matters more to me than any goal or achievement that I might have set before myself. Amen. I aspire to be saved more than anything else in my life. I hope everybody feels that way here this morning amen I hope everybody feels uh, amen the need. Uh, amen it's so easy to become insensitive. It's so easy to become dull to that very that very simple fact that we've got to be saved folks. Amen. praise God. It's so easy to just kind of find other things to do, get caught up in other things and not make this a priority. And then when you miss a visitation from the Lord, I'm going to tell you, missing missing a visitation from God and a touch of God that he has for your life is very critical. An appointment that you have with God is very important. And I don't know. I know God ministers and touches us at other times, but we have three appointments a week around here that we have opportunity for God to speak to us and to move upon us. I found it interesting that in John chapter 20, after the resurrection of the Lord, Jesus revealed himself to a group of disciples that had gathered together. They were very fearful for the lives because of the Jews, and they felt that they may come and And want to do away with them feeling like that they were the followers of Christ. And now that He has been crucified, that they'll come after His followers. And so they were afraid. And just like Jesus said He would do on the third day, He arose from that grave. And He revealed Himself to this group that assembled themselves together. It's important to assemble yourself with the people of God every chance you get. But there was one that was absent. There was Thomas that was absent from that assembly, and they came and told him the ones that Jesus revealed himself to they come you can read it in chapter twenty of, uh, of John. they came and and they told Thomas that the Lord was alive and, and that he was resurrected just like just like he said he would do on the third day, and they were so excited but Thomas he he said, well, he said, I, I hear what you're saying, but maybe you've seen some type of apparition, or, or, or maybe you know, maybe you just got mixed up a little bit. I don't know. He said, unless, unless I put my finger in the nail prints, unless I thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. He doubted because when the opportunity was arrived, when arrived, he was not there to receive the confirmation. He was not there to receive the touch from God that he could have had and he could have experienced. It, 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 he decided that wasn't an assembly that he was going to be a part of that night. He's had something else to do, and so therefore he didn't assemble with them. And that was when the Lord visited them and showed Himself alive to them. And And he missed it. And later on, because he missed it, he doubted. And you could see the progression that takes place in the lives of people that... that that discouragement and disappointment and even doubt can creep in when we stay away from the presence of God, when we stay away from our appointments with God. Every time we have the opportunity, we need to be in the house of the Lord. We need to be there worshiping and receiving everything that God has for us. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You're going to have to prioritize, Noah. You're first going to have to consecrate your time. And then, number two, Noah had to consecrate his material goods. Yeah. Yeah, the things that he had, I don't know how you feel about it. We know that every detail is not given in this story. So uh, if you'll give me an opportunity to let my imagination run wild just a little bit. But you know the dimensions of this ark is given and we know that that's a lot of gopher wood. And I don't know, maybe he had a whole grove of gopher wood trees. Maybe he already had some of it sawed up and piled up for lumber to build his own house with. Or maybe he was going to build a house for one of his children that were newly wed and give it to them. I don't know, and you don't know either because it's not there. But we do know, if that be the case, this gopher wood, and it could have been used for many other things, but he had to dedicate it for God's purpose. He had to be willing to give it to God. And if you're going to live for God and you're going to build an ark, you're going to have to make some investments in the kingdom of God. You're going to have to choose to give to God His portion. Amen? Uh, You're going to have to choose to dedicate yourself to not just being a taker, but also being a giver if you're going to build an ark. And this is God's way. This is God's plan. It's always been established. The first fruits I want given to me. What is God saying by saying that or making that command? What he's actually saying is, is I want again to be number one in your life. And when you do this, you're proving on a regular basis or from period to period, you're proving to me that I am number one in your life. And there's a powerful thing that happens when we dedicate our monetary things and material goods to God. I remember when I was traveling and when we first began, we didn't start out with a nice new expensive rig, but it was one that you kind of had to pray for from destination to destination. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many times out on I-40 or I-10 that I would just lay my hands on the hood. I didn't care who was watching because at this point in my life it really didn't matter uh, they were going to be laughing if I was walking down the side of the road too so I just laid my hands on it and said Lord only you can get this thing to the destination it's got way too many miles and I hear knocking and, and screeching and I hear all kinds of things going wrong and I'm not a mechanic and God knows I can't afford to hire one so I just need you to provide for me and, and uh, thankfully we made it through and hobbled through those times by the help of the Lord and I give God the credit for. It. But you know, it was easy in those days to say, "God, uh, that's your truck, and that's your trailer, and everything I have is dedicated to you." But a long later in life, when things start... Going a little bit better and the blessings come. Can I still say that? That God, all of the material goods that you have blessed me with, they're still yours, God. I'm just a steward over them and I dedicate all that I have to you. I'm not going to be tight fisted with what you've given me, but I am going to be a blessing and make an investment in the kingdom of God. He could have used it to build his own kingdom, he could have used gopher wood to build his own house house but he said I'm going to use these material goods to, to build up the kingdom of God amen I'm not going to forsake and do away with the vineyard I'm still going to work there I'm not going to let the house get dilapidated and fall down I'm still going to spend some time doing that it didn't say all the gopher wood had to be dedicated to building the ark it just said that it had to be built out of gopher wood maybe there was much more gopher wood that he could use to build houses and he could use for equipment and And to build a barn or whatever that was needed. But there had to be enough to build the ark. The dimensions was given. The measurements was there. You use that gopher wood first of all to build my ark. And I'll take care of your house. I'll take care and bless the vineyard. I'll take care of your life and your livelihood. I'll bless you in every way. I'm going to tell you every time you come down and place your tithe and offering in this place. when we give you an opportunity to be blessed you're rebuking the devourer in your life it's an action that you're taking without saying a word that said I rebuke you devil you can't have my blessing you can't have the things God has for me God is going to provide God is going to make a way and God is going to open the doors you got to consecrate your material goods if you're going to build an ark Number three, he had to submit himself to the plan of God. As I read this, I find the plan very explicit. It's not hidden, it's very clear. 450 feet long, 45 feet in height, 75 feet wide, three floors. One door, one plan, if you want to say it that way. This is how it's going to be done, Noah. Noah could have, I don't know. Obviously, this man had some building acumen. He could have said, you know, my experience tells me, Lord, that this thing is really not built to float. This thing is not built, you know, how am I going to talk Mrs. Noah into getting into this ark if I don't make her a little bit bigger bedroom and more closet space? <laughs> and you know how many pairs of shoes she has. Now, I'm really getting off, aren't I? And and Lord, you, you know... I know a little something about building and I think you ought to change this part. No that that didn't how it worked. Had he built a boat to his own specs, it would not have flow floated. Had he built a boat to his own logic, it would not have worked and saved him. But if you're going to build an ark that is going to survive, and I want you to get the picture here because we got a lot of people that think, you know, that it only lasted 40 days that he was on the ark. That's not true. Before it ever started raining, and I'm going to get to this in a moment, and the floods are the fountains of the deep were unleashed. There were seven days that he just sat on the boat. That's what the Bible says. And then there was a time for the receding of the waters after the earth was flooded. So it was somewhere theologian's guess, around six months that he was on that ark. Somebody say, shoo-wee. Six months in the confines of that ark. Been rough enough. If you just had Ham, Jepeth, and Shem and their families on there, all of that gathered up. Get that many people together, there's going to be some kind of disagreement at some point in six months. Oh, I forgot all of you are angels here this morning. <laughs> Usually there's a few fallen angels. They're going to be around. And there was no doubt all of those things to contend with. But he could have said, you know what, we need this. We Let's change this around. I mean... Three floors, man. If we're gonna make three, we can make four. This is easy. Let's do it this way: one door. I no, mean, you know what? What if that thing jams up and we want to get off this thing? I mean, you know, try another door. One window? Oh, man, let's, man we're gonna need more ventilation than that. You see all these animals? But it's this one plant. And he could not argue with God's plan and build an ark for the saving of his household at the same time. Amen. Now, when we read the scripture, the Bible really just talks about one plan in all the word of God. It doesn't give us open for everybody's interpretation. It doesn't give us a big broad thing here, but it gives us one plan. The Bible tells us that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, We know that thou art a teacher sent from God. And he cut it off right there. And he said, Listen, except a man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he said, well, I, I don't understand. You know, he tried to say, well, that don't sound too logical to me. You know, how can a man be born when he's old? He said, look here. He said, unless he be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Praise the Lord. Let's just make it clear. Except you're born again. You have to be born again. Praise the Lord. And then we we understand that when those that were stirred up and convicted on the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 the inaugural day of the church everybody understands that that was when the church was established after Christ's ascension he said "Tarry here in jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high i'm going to start something right here that's going to go around the world and 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 they were convicted when they saw that 120 come out of that upper room prayer meeting and, uh, they were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance and they were stirred and they were convicted. Uh, and, and the Bible says that, that they began to ask uh, after Peter began to preach for a little while. They interrupted him, and said, what shall we do to be saved? What do we do to get things right? Uh, what do we, what must we do? And he said, repent uh, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ uh, for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is unto you and to your children and all that are fall, even as many as the Lord our God shall call so the message is good to everybody that God calls the message is the same to everybody that God calls amen the Bible tells me that we must earnestly contend for the faith That was once, everybody say once, delivered to the saints. Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5, and we place it up here behind this baptismal, that there is what? One Lord. One faith. And one baptism. How many gods? One God. One faith. How many baptisms? one baptism there is a plan Noah you got to follow the plan you can't deviate from the plan you got to submit your will to the plan you got to open up your heart say I'm not going to debate I'm not going to struggle with this I'm just going to yield to it I'm just going to be obedient to it this is the plan that you have to save me Amen. I can't make everybody else do it but as for me and my house this is what we're going to do I'm going to save myself I'm going to save myself as uh, Peter preached uh, I'm going to save myself from this untoward generation not toward, generation, not toward anything not committed to anything does that sort of describe our generation they're not toward anything You, it doesn't take much to get them to move off something else whatever the trend is whatever the popular thing to do is whatever whatever the differences of opinions are that's the way I'm going that's the direction I'm headed oh but he said you gotta save yourself I'm gonna tell you there's nothing that matters more or should matter more to you than being saved I wouldn't let any talk me out of it I wouldn't let anybody try to give me some sort of reason why it's not necessary I would say you know what I can't answer for you but I gotta save myself from this untoward generation I gotta do it for myself praise the Lord that's the reason Jesus said let the dead bury the dead come follow me I'm calling you. I'm dealing with you. Praise God. Talking about consecration, it's got to be made to build an ark. Noah, last of all, had to consecrate and put his pride on an altar. That's right. You think about it building an ark. The Bible said they built an ark because of things that were coming that they had not yet seen. Did I not read that to you this morning? Building an ark basically in a desert, arid climate. Now, you think that didn't draw some attention. You think that didn't stand out a little bit. Do you think that, that there wasn't some ridicule that was involved there? When Noah's children went to school, or grandkids or whatever, went to school, said, huh, you know who this is? This is Noah's kids. You, 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 you've been by there, haven't you? You've seen that big ark out there. Or big, they say it's going to flood. Huh, I don't even know what a flood is, but isn't that crazy? They could use all that to build them a house. Look what kind of house they could have built. They could have used that for other things, but look at there. Laughed and ridiculed and made fun and sneered. And uh, they just continued to mock them, as it were, for what they were doing. Uh, you know, I've told my mother and dad's story coming to God before, but my mother still is, but was a very beautiful woman raised up basically in a house that was very sinful, exceeding sinful. They were, my grandfather, a honky-tonker, but his his daddy was a, a preacher and uh, he he had not lived for God for many years multiple marriages children from every one of them and uh, just just a mess just a mess just his life a wreck and he had raised my mother up and her two brothers up in this kind of atmosphere of drinking and carousing and fighting and every weekend was a time for the children to dread because they knew that mom and dad was going to get into it. And uh, my mother she didn't really want that life. She wanted a life of normalcy. And uh, she grew up and uh, I, I've had I'm not, I'm not just saying this I've had many people that were, knew them during that time would say your mother man she was a she was a, a, a beautiful lady I, I remember my I got a cousin that's much older than I am and he'd, he'd, he'd say you know uh, he, it was his aunt but he said she's a very beautiful beautiful woman when when she was a young lady very attractive and um, time came that my grandfather got into church and uh, all of these folks that were involved they didn't know anything about Holy Ghost or any of that they came to this and it wasn't even it was a very humble church setting I mean over in an area of town that wasn't that great and uh, they went over there they just knew that was the only place they could go that preached like Papa preached that was my great grandfather my grandfather's father he had passed on and his mother when he got dealt with by the Lord he asked her where do I need to go she said I want you to go over there and they went, and God began to deal with Him, filled him with the Holy Ghost, and filled uh, my uncles and their wives with the Holy Ghost. and My mother was a little late in coming because they 'd already been going to some denominational churches and trying to do better and and uh, they they felt like that they were already uh, striving and trying but and, and then suddenly, this group that had been discarousing and living wild comes and tells them that you need more and so uh, it was kind of hard for them to grasp at first, but they finally came and, and visited. When they did, they felt something that they had never felt before and experienced something they'd never experienced before. And uh, my mother uh, began to live for God. My father, uh, it took him a little while. I think my, I remember when I was just a little boy, she had a beauty shop, and, and it, was in the, it was in the back of the house there. It was set up, and people would come in there. It was... Uh, just a whole beauty parlor there, and and people would drive up and come in there there at the back, and and I remember it so well as as that she would work and there for three days. I remember her fasting one time uh, that my dad would come into the church and he would get the Holy Ghost, and I was just a little tyke, I was just a little boy, but I can. That's one of my earliest memories that I can remember uh, my mother fasting for my father, but. She gave up the world. She gave up the things of the world, and, and she turned her back on all of that. And uh, I remember when I was coming up through grade school, uh, you know, uh, having friends and people that they didn't understand. I mean, you know, my mother was always premature gray, and, and, uh, and uh, now her hair's were real extremely long, but then it was even... Uh, before she got a little bit older it was even even longer she was just maybe a little bit healthier and it was longer down almost dragging the ground and she wore one of those Pentecostal buns up on her head and and uh, I, I could see some of my friends the first time they'd come over they'd kind of look at that and I was like what in the world is going on here with Calhoun and his mama and uh, maybe because the way I was acting at school didn't really parallel with the way that you, what they were seeing there I don't know but uh uh, she was just a godly woman. And I remember the the spare times that I would bring somebody to church with me. Now, my mom, she doesn't do it much now, but used to, she was a shouter. She was a shouter. And and she would run the aisles, and and uh, and, and she would shout around. And, and uh, when God would move upon her, you, you didn't have to wonder if God was moving on her. I mean, you knew God was moving. Something was moving. Amen. And, I mean, she had let out one of those hollers and start now don't you do that unless god moves on you to do it make sure it's god that's doing this you know anytime you talk about these things you got to make sure somebody's just not trying to emulate that but this was her this was authentic with her this was right for her and and you could feel god in it i mean it was just one of those things you could feel god in. but i remember as a boy kind of oh god you know just kind of just thinking oh lord and that reminds me of this story on Ark. What in the world are you talking about? An Ark. Kids had come over and say, "Well, let's let's uh, let's, let's 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 watch so and so." I don't watch so and so. What? They talk about the, the day the. the Night before, all the things they'd been entertained with and what they was keeping up with and all that. And they said, what? You don't do that? No, I don't. I don't no, not don't have one of those. What? What are you talking about? I'm just telling you that... If you're going to be saved you've got to be willing to relinquish your pride and it didn't matter to my mama she had had all of that she had been all of that she had had all the all the things in the, in the little uh, trinkets of the world and she just wasn't interested in it no more she said that didn't satisfy me and she had a revelation of how good it is to have the peace of God and to have the Holy Ghost and to be a, you know people that, that want to experience all that it's people that's never been out there and had a long taste of it. Uh, amen. And realize that that's not going to bring you happiness. Uh, that's not going to bring you joy. That's not going to bring you fulfillment. Uh, that's not going to bring you the completeness that you're looking for. My mama said, I don't care who sees me. I don't care what they think about me. I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to praise the Lord. Uh, and if I feel like shouting, bless your heart, I don't care how many friends you got lined up on the pew with you, I'll shout. Uh, amen. I'm going to tell We need some folks in this day That can consecrate their pride On an altar and say I want to be saved more than I want to be accepted By a world that doesn't even care about me In the first place Amen Amen. Praise God She had to lay it down Praise the Lord Now The scripture says and I'm winding up here I know it's been going for a while But I, I, I feel this in my spirit Bible says that the Lord dealt with them to get aboard that ark seven days before the rain. So the ridicule didn't stop. I mean, right up until the day, the Bible said in Luke 17, they just kept on doing what they'd been doing and even getting worse. And you know what? Noah didn't close that door. I imagine... When he got on that ark and all those people coming by, peeking in, laughing and mocking and having a high ho time, I imagine he would have loved to have shut the door. But it wasn't his to shut because the book of Revelation said that if a man shuts a door, a man can open it. But God can shut a door that no man can open and open a door that no man can shut. That's what it says. And so seven days... And they're coming by. Hey, where's the rain, Noah? <laughs> oh, man, look at this. Man, I don't even see a cloud in the sky. Poor old Noah just getting hot in there. All you could be doing. Man, this would be a good day for you to go and do something else. But look, Noah, you got to be on the ark. Look at you. You've lost your mind, Noah. What are you doing? And they laughed and they mocked and they pointed their fingers and I've always concentrated on what was outside the ark. When I've preached this, I've talked about those people finally when those flood came. And they started clawing on the door and, 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 and until, until they clawed, until blood was running down uh, the wood and, and on the door. And, and they couldn't get it open. And, and I, I've always focused on those that were lost. But I just wondered what was going on inside that ark. What was happening when that ark started floating? I don't think they were dulled to the, to the pain and, and to the agony and to the separation and to the death that was on the outside. I don't believe that they didn't have any feelings for that. But you know what? The Bible tells us that when we get to heaven, He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. You're not going to be thinking about people that that did not make it. Uh, that's not going to be a part of your conscience. Something's going to happen so that you're not, you're not focused on that, so that you're not thinking of that and that you don't even remember that. He's wiping every tear from your eye. I just happen to believe on the inside of that ark. That when they realized that their efforts and they realized that their sacrifices and their convictions and their commitment and their consecrations uh, had all come to fruition and this thing's actually floating and we're actually going to be saved and we're actually going to make it. And it was all worthwhile. I just happened to believe they had a little camp meeting on the inside of that ark. I just happened to believe there had to be some leaping for joy and there had to be some shouting and there had to be somebody that said praise God it it worked. It worked. It worked. I'm going to tell you, sir, if you make heaven, you're not going to have any thought for anything you had to give up on this earth. Man, if you make heaven, you're not going to be worried about one thing you lay on this altar or one thing you couldn't do on this earth. If you make heaven, you're going to be shouting the streets of gold saying, you know what? It was worth every sacrifice. It was worth everything that I gave up. It was worth everything that I laid on the altar just to know I'm saved. Why don't you stand with me right now? Lift up, the, lift up our hands and let's praise the Lord together. They were rejoicing. They weren't thinking about the years of sacrifice and the hard days of labor. They weren't thinking about the sweat and the toil and the driving the nails and sawing the wood and the splinters we weren't thinking about the times that they missed the nail and hit the finger. we weren't thinking about all that. What they were thinking about is we made it. We made it. Thank God the plan that God gave us worked. I'm thankful that we didn't deviate from the plan. I'm thankful that we didn't try to do this on our own. I'm thankful that we didn't step away from what God said. I'm thankful that we didn't try to fuss and argue with what God had for us. I'm so thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. I, and when he looked around and when Noah looked over there and seen Japheth, and he saw Shem and he saw Ham and and he saw their wives and, and when Mrs. Noah looked over there and saw her sons uh, she said you know what I'm so glad I'm so glad that you stuck with it I'm so glad that we built an ark I'm so glad it was worth all the ridicule it was worth all the pain of rejection it was worth every bit of that just to know that we're going to be saved and our family is going to be saved and all it's going to be alright this serves an example to us serves as an example to us that it's going to be okay praise the Lord praise the Lord I don't know why I'm saying this but I just felt nudged to tell this and I got in high school I was rebellious just like every other teenager goes through a stage of being rebellious our consecration was always this as long as you live in this house you're going to refrain from being involved in certain things my parents didn't allow me to play on, I was always I'm not the tallest guy in the world but I was above average tall and so there was always that lure to want me to be a basketball player. And so of course there was the recruitment. Come on, man. And I remember I came to the time when I could have just rebelled. I said, you know what, this is what I'm gonna do, bless God. And I feel like my parents in their wisdom was saying it has to be your consecration too. Man, I suited up and went. And I felt like a fish out of water. Wasn't that I couldn't play with them. Wasn't that I wasn't good enough. It's just that I had a nagging on the inside. This isn't right. This is wrong. I'm being rebellious. I'm standing against what's right. So I went from that and tried to join up with the wrestling bunch. And uh, I don't know if my mama done this just to help my pride to stay down there where it needs to be. But it's right there, it's in the newspaper. Jason Calhoun pinned in 37 seconds. Jason Calhoun lost first bracket. Why are you going to put that in a special place? Finally, I said, I'm done. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to be who God wants me to be. I'm going to tell you, you're never going to be comfortable trying to fit in with that once you've ever experienced the things of God. Hallelujah. you got to put it on the altar and say, God, help me to build an ark. And if I build an ark for me, there's a chance those that I'm praying for, they'll be saved too. I'll never be able to see them saved capitulating to them. But i got to build an ark. I wonder if there's somebody like to come. Maybe today you'd like to start building an ark. Or maybe you'd like to continue the journey. Maybe this has reminded you of some things you need to do. Come on, is there somebody here in this house that say I want I want to myself consecrate some areas of my life that maybe I haven't totally surrendered or maybe the enemy has tried to come and put his foot in. Hallelujah, and tried to stop the progress of me building an ark. God, I want to I want to continue on. I want to be faithful to you. I want to serve you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's yield to God. Let's pray like apostolics know how to pray. saying to God, would you lift up your voice and say, Lord, help me to build an ark. There's people that are depending on me to get this right. There's, There's folks that are depending on me to keep this right. There's folks that are depending on me to make the right decisions and choices. And so, God, help me to do my part here today. Hallelujah. Help me to build an ark. Help me to build an ark. Help me to build an ark. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, yield to Him today. Surrender your soul to Him today. Open up to Him today. Lay it all on the altar here today. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Completely, I give it to you. Completely, I give it to you. Oh, yes. I completely dedicated to you. Jesus, I you. Need-